regard. Would you mind looking at me for a moment? She opened her eyes, blinked, and heaved herself up on one elbow, duvet slipping from a shoulder. She scanned him with a sleepy smile that turned sly as her gaze scrolled to his crotch. Nothing to see, she said. Poor you. Beauregard glanced down, momentarily embarrassed in spite of himself. He'd lost his morning hard-on. No fucking wonder. Apart from that, he said, does everything look normal to you? He hardly had to ask. Tourmaline looked around the room, hair tumbling. Yeah, it's all fine, she said. What's the matter? Come here a minute, said Beauregard. I don't want to. Do it for me, please. He put some steel in his voice. Looking mutinous, she complied, dragging the duvet with her and wrapping herself in it. Beauregard gestured at the open window. What do you see out there? Tourmaline gave a muffled shrug. Sunrise? she said. What does the sun look like to you? Beauregard asked. A round, coppery disc, somewhat like a penny? What's a penny? she mumbled. Then... Yeah, round and bright and reddish, I suppose. That's odd, said Beauregard, because what I see is an immense multitude of the heavenly host crying glory, glory, glory to the Lord God Almighty. What he actually saw when he glanced sidelong at it and away was indeed a disc, a perfect circle that didn't exactly shine but was somehow too bright to look at with two or three lines of numbers and letters in small print near its circumference. He suspected that these were specifications, spectrum, temperature, type, location on the main sequence, and, of course, the precise degree of reddening for the early morning atmosphere. You what? said Tourmaline. Beauregard wrapped an arm around her duvet-draped shoulders and looked down into her eyes with a smile. A little warily, as if not sure of his sanity, she smiled back. You are right? she asked. I'm not sure, said Beauregard. I'm going to check it out. Go back to bed for now. No, I'm awake. I'll make coffee. Thanks, said Beauregard. He kissed her, eyes closed. It was all the same. That's more like it, she said. She stepped out of the duvet, slithered into a dressing gown and wandered out. Beauregard walked over to where he'd dropped his clothes the previous night and rummaged in the back pocket of his trousers for his phone. Carson? Sorry to wake you, but... Fuck's sake, Skip, it's just... Wait a fucking minute. Jeez, what's happened? You see it too. Not see it, more like. No colour, all outline. Yeah, what the fuck? I, I mean, what the fuck? I don't know what the fuck, said Beauregard, but at least now I know it's not just me. Kotzen said something off-speaker in a tone of annoyed reassurance, then came back. You can count Pierre in on that too, she said. Good to know, said Beauregard. Okay, I'll call you back when I have an idea. Struck by a sudden thought, he thumbed through his contacts and called Iqbal, the barman at the digital touch. The phone rang for almost a minute. Morning, said a resentful voice. We're closed. Sorry, Iqbal, Beauregard said. I know we kept you late last night. Yes, said Iqbal. 
But then it was not a normal night. Beauregard snorted. <laughs> you could say that. It wasn't every night he made a bid for power. But, sorry if this sounds strange, but does this look like a normal morning to you? Sure, said Iqbal. Everything's as it should be, as far as I can see. He sounded sleepy, confused, perhaps hungover. I mean, shouldn't it be? No, no, said Beauregard. Uh, forget it. Sorry I asked. Get back to Awella and sleep, and uh, sorry again to disturb you. He laid the phone down on the bedside table, ambled to the ensuite to piss and to splash his face and neck, and got dressed. All his clothes felt real. The final groin adjustment tug of underpants, the wiggled squirm of socks, the matching of tightness to tendon comfort while lacing up boots. But the sight of the garments was unsettling. It occurred